Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Hello, everyone. I'm Alan Stein Jr. And welcome to season 11 of the Raise Your Game Show. In this season, I sit down with a fascinating group of ex-athletes from a variety of team sports to learn the most valuable skills and impactful lessons they developed on the court, field, ice, and sand. And more importantly, how they apply what they've learned to every other area of their life. Joining me today is Haley Skorupa, a former professional hockey player in the PWHPA, a 2018 Olympic gold medalist, a Team USA three-time world champion, and a proud alum of Boston College. The best part? She's from my hometown in Maryland. Well, considering she's way more accomplished than I am, I should probably say I'm from her hometown. For more on Haley, check her out on Instagram at scroops 28 Before we dive in, I'm thrilled to announce that my new book, Sustain Your Game, High-Performance Keys to Manage Stress, Avoid Stagnation, and Beat Burnout, is now available for pre-order and will launch worldwide on April 12th, 2022. Check out sustainyourgamebook.com for more information. And now, on to today's conversation. So Haley, I've really been looking forward to talking to you for a variety of different reasons, but one of the main reasons is, um, you know, you've been to the, the mountaintop when it comes to hockey, and hockey is one of the sports that I know the least amount about, <laughs> but have always been fascinated. I mean, I can't even ice skate. So that in and of itself, I have more respect for you than, than so many other people that I talk to. Can you, before we kind of jump into our four quarters, take me back to the beginning. Why hockey? How, how did you get play, start playing hockey? What was the attraction? And, and just kind of walk us through that. Yeah. I mean, I first started playing my older brother. He's a couple years older than me. He was playing street hockey um, with his friends, our neighbors out on the driveway. And I want to do everything he did, which led me out to playing street hockey and roller hockey. And then when he took it to the ice, obviously I wanted to as well. And I'm from Maryland. That's where I grew up. And especially, you know, when I was starting to play, it wasn't a super popular sport, let alone for girls. So there's definitely some hesitation with you know, my parents being like, is this, you know, a good fit? Um, we don't want our daughter being the only girl on a boys team getting hurt, stuff like that. But once they saw like how relentless I was with, you know, the, my passion around the sport, they were full supportive gung ho, which was, which was really cool to see throughout my whole career. But I, I played every sport growing up, every single sport through like middle school, probably then I had to decide because of traveling and schedule. And I chose hockey just because of how dynamic it was. Um, you have to be able to skate. You have to be able to, you know, do all these things, super physical, aggressive sport at a very fast pace. And I love that, like just always competing on the ice, how quickly it moved. It was just like where my heart always was um, with all of the sport. I mean, I loved playing all sports, but that was just always the, uh, the elements that stuck out to me is why I chose that growing up. Yeah, I mean, the, the level of coordination and the level of precision in hockey is is incredible. I mean, it's a really fun sport to watch. Even as I said, admittedly, I don't know very much about the strategy behind it other than the obvious of trying to score a goal. But just that that level of coordination and precision and the fitness level that you have to have uh, is, is remarkable because there's there's really no standing around ever regardless yeah. of position. So I think that's. That's really remarkable. Yeah, they say it's like a like a bunch of different sprints within a marathon, basically, because your shift is, you know, 30 seconds to 45 seconds where you're 
you know, that's basically a sprint, but then the game is, you know, an hour and a half long when it comes, you know, three 20 minute periods. So you have to be able to sustain all of those sprints over a, an hour and a half, two hour period of time um, and recover quickly to be able to sprint again and again. So that's kind of how we think of it. Absolutely. Now walk us a little bit further down the journey. So you, you played a variety of different sports. Hockey ended up being your number one love, and that's what you ended up choosing a little bit after middle school. And now you've played at the highest level. I mean, collegiately, <laughs> professionally, Olympically. I mean, t- talk about that as well. The whole looking back on it, it's, it was such an incredible, you know, journey. It, it certainly wasn't easy, my hockey career, but that's, you know, it's not supposed to be. And that's what makes it so rewarding. So I played uh, for U19, like girls travel team all throughout high school, the Washington Pride based in Rockville, Maryland. But we traveled every single weekend. We practiced almost every single day. We had one day off mm-hmm. and that really helped prepare me playing for the Pride because I realized in college and later on that not many, not many teams had to do as much traveling as we did because we were in Maryland. We had to go to Minnesota, New England, Canada all the time, every weekend. And so when I got to college, I went to to Boston college. I ended up playing for the U18 national team along with the pride. And that's kind of how my recruiting process started. Mm -hmm. And I committed to Boston college going into my senior year of high school But once I was there, I realized, you know, my whole high school experience and having to balance, you know, I still went to Wooten High School, my public school. I was able to like have the best of both worlds and being able to balance that. I realized in college, I was like, this is like the balancing school and hockey was almost and all the traveling was easier than it was in high school because I was I felt so prepared, which helped me like hone in more on the hockey piece of it. And which is kind of, I mean, Boston College was incredible, like playing for, they're probably, I mean, a lot of Olympians, both of our coaches were also Olympians. So to be able to be developed in that environment and playing with and against the best players every day really helped elevate my game. And that's kind of how I got these opportunities with Team USA to play for the world championship team, four nations, and then ultimately the Olympics. So it's like one thing kind of led to the other. And I feel like I kind of got lucky with how that came out. It wasn't like, when I was younger, I had this, I wanted to play in the Olympics and every single thing stacked up against that. I feel like now a day's kids and parents are like, we want our kid to go to the NHL NBA. And this is like the exact path that they need to get there. It's like, I just started hockey because I loved it. My parents had no idea what they were doing. And it was just like, because we were willing to work really hard and because we liked it, like those things just kind of work everything else works itself out because of those two elements like passion and work work ethic basically to me is like the two things that um really led to my whole like career path basically and i would imagine those are also the two ingredients you use now that you're in the quote-unquote real world and (laughs) And in the corporate world. So let, let's make that transition and we can kind of jump into this first quarter. I mean, what what are the biggest similarities between sport and being on a team in sport and what you're doing now, you know, at the corporate level? Yeah, I guess like we kind of think of it like as um, as athletes. I was in a, it was called the Harvard like crossover into business program. It's not really the Harvard. I mean, it, they hold it, but their business school but it wasn't like I was a Harvard student. So I'm not going to say that it was like a group of 30 recently retired professional athletes or like Olympians basically. And it was just how like the crossover from 
their sport into business, different case studies like that. And what that professor was saying is, and which I really agree with, especially now that I am, you know, in the working world is it's like the four C's it's like communication, culture, compete and coachability. Like Mm. those are the four things that really translate from sports to, um, to the business world. Like you're being transparent, being able to give and take feedback. Like that's the whole communication piece competing like you are competing every day to to get better in the working world and obviously you're competing in sports coachability obviously that is like the feedback piece like being able to be coachable is huge um you know not hearing the best news and making the most of it and receiving that criticism you don't want to hear um and using that as an opportunity and then culture which is obviously huge in any environment with any team whether it's sports or not and so that really resonated with me like now that I'm working it's like every day I think about that and it really sticks out of like how like every person you can kind of tell like they bring some piece uh piece of the puzzle and it's it's uh cool to see all of those come together for sure. Well, when you've grown up in sport, those four C's, they're non-negotiables. Like that's that's what you're yeah. signing up for when you play a sport. So it's pretty cool to see that when that translates to the business world. And I know before we hit record, you had mentioned that you've got some folks in your corporate culture now that are also former athletes. Uh, and and it's, it's always been my experience. You can quickly identify who played sports and who didn't by how well they embrace those four C's because the ex-athletes just know this is part of what I signed up for. This is part of the, the game we're playing now. Um, so, so talk to me about the culture that you all have and, and some of your current teammates, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. You can definitely tell like when I was new and then I, you know, as you begin to meet more people, when I started, I think our companies like doubled with people over a year, but it's like when I was first meeting people, I could kind of tell. And then when they said, Oh yeah, I swam like division one, you don't realize a lot of these people either were athletes too, because they're so humble that it's like, that's not the first thing they say is like, oh, I was a, you know, all American swimmer at, you know, this division one school, which some of them, you know, were, I was like, oh, I literally didn't even, I didn't even know. But now that you say that it makes sense because of just like, you can tell like the grit that they have, like they don't, they don't really, it's like, they're just like machines, like in a very personable way, if that makes sense. So when you meet them in person, it's like, they're, it's just, they're awesome people like how they work together too. Like it's a, it's a competitive culture. Like our company, it is really competitive and people are obviously wanting to advance, you know, themselves in the career and in the business, business development side, like it is like, you know, a numbers game and, but you can tell within just like sports, like within the competitive culture, everyone's trying to make them each other better and help each other out. It's not like, let's stomp on everyone to get to the top. It's like how, like we're a team, we want our team to perform the best how can we each complement each other to do this and work together? And that way we will all like all of our performances will be good if we, you know, are helping each other out. And you can tell like that was never discussed, you know, when you're like growing up in sports, you like learn that and you have, you know, seminars and you talk about that to like learn it or, and you learn it through just experience. But here you can tell like instantly it's like, that's how it is. And that's what I love most about it is because I'm just like really happy that I came into, like, I know I've heard a lot of things about the working world, like people, you know, their coworkers, things like that. And I was, I went into that knowing I really wanted that type of culture. And that's exactly what it is. Like I, everyone is just like, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible to see. And then like, I've made some pretty, pretty good friends along the way too. 
I bet. Well, I, I just love the fact that you not only love what you do, but you found a great culture fit and you're surrounded by, you know, people that, that can certainly respect and appreciate your journey. You know, I, I've noticed that for a lot of athletes, making the transition from playing to then entering our quote unquote real world can often be challenging because they've always just identified as being that athlete. And how was that transition for you? I mean, you're a world-class hockey player. How was that transition from an identity standpoint? Yeah. I mean, I think of it, I think about that a lot. It's like, I almost feel like I started from, I'm like starting from scratch again. Like I built up this career in this whole different like industry sports, obviously. And now, you know, that I had an amazing time and it's still a very big part of my life. I do, you know, clinics, camps, um, like I play semi-professionally and just like for fun on the side. And so it's not like I just abandon it. It's still a part of my life, which helps a lot. Um, but the transition, like I'm not really, you know, an athlete anymore. That's not my job. Like that was, it was hard to like, just start over. And like, it took me probably like a year to like, once I was done playing to, to really accept, like, I'm just going to like go all in, in this new path and this career path. And like, yes, I'm not an athlete anymore, but like the qualities that got me there will translate to this new career. And like throughout the whole interviewing process, like a lot of those types of questions came up. It's like, well, yeah, you made it, you know, you made it to the top of your sport in your last career. Like what makes you think why this career path and what makes you think you can get to the top of this, which I love those types of questions just because like, you know, someone who's especially an athlete, like if they find something that they're like passionate in, like, I just need to find something that I really liked. And then all of those qualities will transfer over. That was like the piece I was most concerned about while like making that switch is just like, take the time to find something that you are going to be passionate about. And like all of those things will just transfer over. And so it was just, uh, it was, yeah, it's been awesome. I I've had such a great time. Like I've learned so much, like it's a whole new challenge, but, uh, it's just, yeah, you're always learning. And I'm glad that I did step out of my comfort zone out of sports because now it's like, I feel just more, you know, well-rounded with things. Like I just, you know, you grow outside of your comfort zone. And I feel like that's what I'm, that's what I'm doing now, which is definitely a positive too. For sure. And and I'd love to hear that you're still able to somewhat straddle both worlds with your camps and clinics and playing semi-professional. So, you know, something that's been such a major part of your life for most of your life, you didn't have to just cut ties and abandon it, you know, on a dime. You're, you're able to still be a part of it, still give back, still be a part of the game while starting to create this new identity and explore, explore these new things. Uh, Talk to me a little bit about how uh, the game has grown. I, I, you mentioned at the beginning that when you first got in uh, to hockey, there weren't as many opportunities as a female player that you were playing mostly with males. You were following in your brother's footsteps. Uh, has that changed significantly over the past decade? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Whenever I go back to Maryland now, it's like there are so many girls teams, so many programs. And just to see when I was starting, I think the Washington pride had one U19 team and now it has U19, U16, like uh, U14, U12, like U10s basically. And then there are other programs outside of the Washington Pride too, which, um, and you still have those girls who want to play with the boys because, you know, they feel challenged that way. You can tell when a girl has changed to playing girls hockey and they grew up playing boys hockey. It's, it's awesome to see because they, uh, they just have this edge to them. Um, so it's, it's cool that they have that option. Some play both, 
yeah. but just to see how many programs there are now in the area for girls. Cause that's such a big, um, I worked in like youth hockey with the Washington capitals, like right after I was done playing. Um, and I'm still like involved with them with just the girls hockey side of it, just because yeah. it is so important to continue to continue to grow the game with the girls. So like you have the NHL, um, you have the Olympics, but you need, you need them to like see, to see women's hockey players, you know, in their communities, like see people like them that they can strive to be like, that was the biggest thing for us is like, especially for girls, it's, they're hesitant. Some are hesitant to start if they have to play boys hockey. Um, So to see they can come and play on a girl's team right away socially, it makes it, you know, that much more enticing to play. And yeah. So even like beyond Washington, DC, Maryland, like everywhere, there's so many girls programs and you can see like the talent has just like increased over the years and it's super competitive to play in college no matter like division one division three there are so many programs which is really cool to see like over the course of the years the people who have came before us to help pave this way and then like just us kind of continuing to move the needle forward and and then all the players that are going to come after us as well the growth has been huge Oh, that's awesome. And, and I hope you do have some pride in knowing you're a big part of that and, and continuing to do that work and create opportunities, you know, for those coming behind you. So I, I think that's tremendous. Let's look back again to your playing career. Can you think of any very specific lessons or pieces of advice that you got from a coach that that kind of shifted your perspective or has made a lasting impact that, that you're, you know, you're still feeling today? One piece that I got from um, a coach, my high school coach, actually, Kush Sidhu, he still coaches the Washington Pride, was like the best players make the ones around them better. Because when I was younger, all I wanted to do was score goals. Like I was a four, I never even really considered defense. I was never even that great at it. But like that was my biggest thing. I love to score goals. I love to shoot the puck. Yes, I passed some when I was, you know, little, but uh, that was like my biggest thing was score goals, score goals. Like that was kind of what I was missing when I was you know, starting to like advance my career is how do you make those around you better every single shift? Like not even just like, you know, maybe this game, maybe that game, it's that the best players are constantly making those around them better, even if they're not playing with the best players, if that makes sense. Um, And that really resonated with me just because it was like a challenge, you know, like, oh, now it's like not just score goals, but now my other, my line mates are going to have to score goals too now. And like, bringing it all together. And so as I was, you know, getting older, obviously looking back on it, I'm like, duh, like, why didn't I think of that? But when you're like younger and you just are so, you know, you want to score goals, you don't really think about like everything that goes into it and the bigger picture. And so that really kind of opened my eyes to like, just what the possibilities are if, you know, a whole line has like the best chemistry basically. And it starts with that one leader of the line or that you know, those top players. And then I guess like something that like my dad has always said, he's, he was never one of my coaches, but he always said like, you're only as good as your last game, which just Mm. um, always like plays into just like complacency and never really being satisfied with your performance. Like you can't rest on, you know, your last couple games, or if you've had like one good performance, you know, last week, like, it doesn't matter. Like, it's like, what are you doing today to get better? Because, you know, there's someone out there who's working just as hard, if not harder to, to take your spot. Absolutely. Boy, so much good stuff there. A couple things come to mind. One, I never played hockey, but I played soccer when I was younger. And, and I think of all of my sporting experiences, there was nothing more intoxicating as a player than scoring a goal, you know, because obviously in hockey and soccer, 
that's not happening. Scoring is not happening as often as it does in a game of basketball, which is where I right. really cut my teeth. You know, uh, scoring a layup sure feels good, but it's not as intoxicating because hopefully you're going to score a few more. Uh, so, yeah, scoring a goal is in, incredible. But, you know, I learned from Mike Jones, the head coach at DeMatha, he would always say it doesn't matter who scores. It just matters that we score. So it yeah, sounds yeah. like that kind of parallels, you know, as, as great as you were on offense and as much as you wanted to score. It was also your responsibility to empower your teammates so that they could do the same so that you guys would be much more of a threat on offense uh, and, and be, you know, less than one dimensional. So I, I love that. Yeah. It's playing the long game. That's how I kind of came to think of it. You know, it's not just, you know, the next goal you, that you're going to get is like, okay, in a few games at the end of the season, like it has your team gotten better, you know, and why, and like, are you, have you helped with that or have you, you know, not really thought about the longer game? Yeah. And I love your dad's advice as well. Cause I actually use that in the speaking world. You know, you're, you're only as good as your last keynote or your last workshop. Uh, and it's always interesting from either, you know, obviously the goal is every time you take the ice or every time I take the stage is to do the best that you're capable of, but, but there's always going to be a slight variance in, in performance levels. And, you know, uh, when you get, when I get off the stage and I feel like I really nailed it and that was great. I remember that, you know, previous success does not guarantee future success. So I use that to motivate me to get back to working on my craft so that hopefully I can replicate that. And if and when I ever get off stage and just think to myself, you know, that wasn't my best performance. I just felt a little bit off. Then I also use that as motivation to say, okay, it's time to get back in the lab. So that doesn't happen again. So either way, I think that mindset really keeps you sharp. Yeah. It keeps you very even keeled too. That's a great way of thinking of it. It's like never getting too high or too low. It's like, you know, what are you doing right now in the present? For sure. Now you had mentioned the word passion before. Uh, if you had to, to say, what would be the number one trait that you think contributed to your success in hockey? What would you say that would be? I know aside, it's aside from passion. Yeah. Aside from passion. I would just say, resiliency or like being relentless. Like, uh, it's like just being relentlessly competitive. I mm. wanted to win in anything. It could have been like a board game. I mean, I still do. It could be, you know, like a, a game of sorry, the board game chess, it could be hockey. It doesn't matter. Um, I always like want to win and it's, you know, it can't always be, it's not always the healthiest, uh, trait, but that's like my, that's always been like how I am and I'll do like whatever it takes. And so that's, it's like that combining with something that I just am absolutely in love with. It's like, it's a powerful, powerful combination for sure. But resiliency too, just because, you know, it's not all, it's not easy, you know, like it's not, Oh, this person is a really good hockey, basketball, soccer player. It's like, well, they've had challenges too. And it's like, it's how to, you know, overcoming adversity, challenges, obstacles. Like I didn't make every single team along the way at, at all. Um, I was cut from the Olympic team a couple times before making it. And, you know, it's every four years. So it's, it's a lot of time to like consider, you know, what is my next step? Do I want to like overcome being cut to maybe be cut again? You know, I've come all this way. I love this sport. You know, I will do whatever it takes. Um, like those three things. Um, I feel like really helped me just uh, like continue to push forward and not settle for, you know, exactly what I, what I wanted to do. I love that relentlessly competitive. And I like how you said when you're relentlessly competitive and you love something and you're completely invested, it makes losing really sting. It makes getting <laughs> cut from a team really hurt. 
how were you able to handle that in your younger years? And has that changed as you've gotten older and matured? Like, were you, for lack of a better term, were you a sore loser when you were younger? I mean, <laughs> if you if you lost a hockey game, you know, was it was it pouting in tears and you'd be upset for the rest of the day, or were you you able to kind of wipe the slate clean and move to the next play? Talk a little bit because we all experience losing in a variety oh, yeah. of capacities of our life. So, were, were you able to lose graciously? I guess is a better way to say it. When I was younger, no. My mom would always say, like, if she loses a game, we're running out of the rink. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't that bad. But like, uh, yeah, no, I was not when I was like, I, like, you know, a kid, not, you know, in high school. High school I was really when I, I feel like that was the turning point because I was starting to play at a higher level. I needed to completely change, you know, who I really was outside of like on ice. Perf- I mean, I did, I needed to do that too. There were things I needed to get better at. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the biggest shift for me was, yeah, like that attitude of, yeah, I am really competitive. You know, I want to win, but it's not, okay, we, we lost. And now it's like this big, you know, well, what happened? Let's, you know, big explosion. It's like, okay, well, let's figure out, you know, what, what we really think, like talk about it, the communication piece, like receiving, you know, criticism and honest feedback and actually being able to use it in a constructive manner. And then, also giving it in a constructive manner too with your teammates, with the people around you. And that like that between like when I started playing hockey and, or even like in high school, like middle school to like when I was on the Olympic team, like when I was on the Olympic team, like that was my biggest thing was like being the best teammate I could be. Like, that was like, that was like my like identity as a teammate. Cause I was, you know, no longer the best player on my team. Everyone was always the best player on their team when you're on the Olympic team. And so it was like, well, how else can I set myself apart here and bring value to this team? And it was just like being the best teammate on and off the ice doesn't matter, like helping to solve um, problems on the ice, like helping to build, you know, chemistry and the culture off the ice, like just constantly. And it's just funny, I like looking back on it, you know, from where I started as a kid, like where it was like, run away from Haley if you lose a game, just it not really, but like kind of to- yeah to like complete opposite is just, it was cool to see like that whole transition. I mean, it took like, you know, 20 years, but <laughs> better late than never. <laughs> Absolutely. Some people never get there. And, and boy, I, I really respect this mindset of not focusing on being the best on the team, but trying to be the best for the team, because that's something that's more controllable and, and, and really love that. Well, this, this parlays nicely into, and maybe you just already answered it, but if you could go back and give your younger self some advice, what would that be? I mean, you said it took 20 years to figure this lesson out and boy, I've got a litany of things that took me more than 20 years to figure out. So give yourself some grace and some compassion, but can you think of anything else that you wish you could have told the, maybe the teenage Haley? Yeah. I guess like not take any second for granted because mm-hmm. Um, you know, like you play when you're in high school, we played like five games a weekend. I mean, and I loved every single game. So it wasn't like, I never was dreading practice or, you know, going to the rink early training. Like I was like, a, like obsessed with it. So it wasn't like, you know, I wasn't taking it for, it's not like I was taking it for granted, but just looking back on it, just like every single moment, um, just really soak that up because, you know, it doesn't last forever and you're going to wish that you had those had those days back and then just like not, not sweating the, the small stuff or the, or the mm-hmm. score of the game. I mean, it's, it's easy to say now, but um, we always say, yeah, like control the things that you can control. Like that's really the best, like what you can do um, because everything else it's not in your control. So why does it, why does it matter? And when I was like, 
starting to really focus on hockey in my career was, you know, the, the overthinking the, all the little things that I couldn't control were things that I would like, you know, kind of think about, Mm -hmm. consider, and it would just like weighs on you. Like it takes away your energy. And I wish I just like, didn't care about those things as much. Um, And I did learn that like, as I continued on, but when I was younger, like those types of things, it's just like, who cares if, you know, if you lost this one game that like, you'll never remember, it's like the memories with your teammates, like how you got better from that together. Like the hard practices that were also like funny, like those types of things. Like those are the things I remember is like just that, you know, that practice that was really hard, but someone stepped on the ice with their skate guards on and fell right before. And it was like, you know, four in the morning and who knows where we were. We were in probably like, you know, Manitoba, Canada, like those types of things are like what I think about. So that's what I would, that's, you know, it's a couple things, but like only control the things you control. Don't sweat the small stuff and don't take a moment for, for granted. Well, I, I'm smiling ear to ear because I really feel a kinship with you because there's, you were a way better athlete than I ever was and way more accomplished of an athlete. But so many of the things you're saying are reminding me of when I was younger and when I was playing sports and shoot, the advice you would have just given your younger self is exactly what I would have needed to uh, have told my younger self. The only downside was when I was younger, I wouldn't have listened because I was incredibly stubborn and I thought I had all the answers when I was a teenager only to get to my mid forties and realize not only how little did I know then, but how much more I still have to learn. And to me, that's the most exciting part is now that you do know these things and you've matured and you have this life experience. I mean, you, you still have so much runway to go. I mean, in the, the scheme of life, you're still incredibly young. I mean, I might be delusional. I still consider myself incredibly young at 45, <laughs> But now you can take these lessons that you wish you would have told your teenage self and you can apply them to what you're doing now and reap the benefits and have a really happy, fulfilling and, and, and peaceful life. So I'm I'm so glad to hear that. Last question before I let you go. What kind of things are you into now for your own personal and professional development? Are there uh, any books or blogs or podcasts or anything you watch, read or listen to that's really filling your bucket now? Um, yeah, so one is the the token CEO podcast with uh, Eric Nardini, who's the CEO of Barstool Sports. Um, And I've had the chance to meet her. And I was actually on the podcast with a couple of my teammates, I mean, a few months ago around Mm -hmm. um, just like women's hockey in the professional space and um, USA hockey, stuff like that. But I feel like the other podcasts that I've listened to were just so much more interesting than than the one that we were on, just because, I mean, the topics are the topics and the people are just, it's really cool. Like the mindset of these people is just like really honest and like raw, like there's no like beating around the bush. It's like, these are real um, situations like that these people like dealt with. And it's like their, their raw, like mindset of it is, is really uh, interesting because it's relatable for, you know, people Um, you know, they're like CEOs of companies, but they have the same thoughts and feelings as like everyone else, which is cool to see that portrayed in a, in a podcast. Also, there's a book, it's called, uh, think again by, I think it's like Adam Grant is his name. That's exactly Um, what it is. Yeah. And I recently read that and it's like the power of knowing what you don't know, I think is what the premise of that is, which it, it was an incredible book. It was pretty, it's a pretty recent book too. And it just, it kind of, yeah, shows you like how you can approach things like almost with a more like open mind and learning things that you don't know and being okay that you don't know with things that you don't know. It's like, 
I love, I was a psychology major. So I like love that type of stuff. And that's, uh, there was one other person. Oh, the Malcolm Gladwell, like love his books, talking with strangers, outliers, mm-hmm. just like the challenge, challenge of, uh, different psychologies of like, like being able to get to know and like accept people that you don't know, um, like out in the community, in the workforce, your team, like, um, and then outliers was about like what makes successful people really successful. And just like those different traits, which I love reading about that stuff because it's, uh, it's interesting, but it's also, you can apply that to your life. And the more you read about it, the more it just becomes kind of part of what you think about in your own like day to day. So his stuff is great. I oh yeah. Wow. Well. Those, those are some great resources. I'm going to check that podcast out. I'm a huge Adam Grant fan, but I haven't actually read that book yet. And uh, yeah, both outliers and talking with strangers were two incredibly pivotal books. So uh, I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed this. This was great. I mean, I, I certainly learned a lot. I know our listeners did as well. And just want to thank you for making the time and keep doing what you're doing. I'll always yeah. be rooting for you. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah. It was great to catch up. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for investing your time with us. I hope we helped you raise your game. And if you'd like to sustain your game as well, how's that for a brilliant transition? Check out my new book, Sustain Your Game, High Performance Keys to Manage Stress, Avoid Stagnation, and Beat Burnout. It's available for pre-order now and will launch worldwide on April 12, 2022. For more information, check out sustainyourgamebook.com.